Welcome to the Limitless Life Podcast. You are listening to episode 26, and my guest today is Justin Janoska. He's a clinician and founder of the Autoimmune Revolution and the author of The Flexible Dieting Disaster. Are you feeling stuck in life or in business? Maybe you're not making the money that you know you should be making. Or are you finding yourself in opposing patterns? One minute you're in high performance mode, and the next you feel totally drained and burnt out. If any of that sounds familiar, then this podcast is for you. I'm Brenda Johnson, and this is the Limitless Life Podcast, the place where I help entrepreneurs like you become high performers. After changing my own relationship to money and success so I could turn my passion into profit, I decided it was time to help others do the same. I am obsessed with the power of the subconscious mind and helping you tap into it so you can finally have the limitless life that you're supposed to have. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I'm happy to be back doing these podcasts. I know that I was gone. I was MIA for a little while. Life and business was just crazy. I actually just got back from an event in Ottawa, which was pretty awesome. I spent the day, the Friday, in a room with 150 people, 150 women to be more specific, helping them break through some of their limiting stories, helping them have some pretty crazy aha moments. It was a a really, really cool day all around, and I have to say, I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite like that. I've definitely never been a part of anything like that. So I felt honored to be asked to be a part of the event by my good friend, Amanda O'Reilly, who actually has been a guest on this podcast. So if you go back a ways, you will find that podcast. The reason I'm sharing this women's story with you is because my guest today, Justin Janoska, He's a clinician and founder of the Autoimmune Revolution. It's an emerging company that guides women in their healing journeys to reverse their autoimmune disease and reproductive disorders naturally. What's cool about Justin is he pays specific attention on Hashimoto's, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, PCOS, and endometriosis. He holds a master's in human nutrition from the University of Bridgeport, but he has a very different and unique approach that emphasizes mind-body medicine, which I really, really loved about him. So naturally, he continues to advocate for women who struggle with eating disorders, disordered eating, and childhood trauma. Through his work with his clients, he helps them acquire a deeper understanding of how they got here. He supports them to be with their pain and embrace their truth. Ultimately, Justin is deeply committed and on a mission to help revolutionize how we address and heal women who are struggling with autoimmunity to eating disorders. So welcome my guest, Justin. All right. So I'm super excited to have you here today, Justin. Let's dive into this. I feel like this is going to be an amazing conversation that could go in many different ways. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. (laughs) The first thing I want to do is just kind of, I mean, obviously I did a little intro of you, but I always like for my listeners to get the story from the actual person I'm talking to. So can you just give us a bit of a background on like who you are and what brought you to this point in time? Sure. So the Reader's Digest version of this is simply uh, that I have a company called the Autoimmune Revolution. So I work with women who have chronic disease obviously. And we're all about getting them results and healing them and getting them into remission when doctors have failed them. Um, however, and that started because of my mom and her Hashimoto's and her not getting any answers through modern medicine and not honestly getting much help outside of that with alternative medicine. So when I was in graduate school, I took it upon myself to like really explore this and see like, how, what can we do about this? And I learned a lot and I said, Hey, once, you know, I've healed her. I'm going to do this for other women because this needs to get out there and it's just not fair. You know, we're kind of being brainwashed in a lot of ways. So my mom was my first client more or less. So that's why I do what I do. Yeah. So that's why I do that. However, um, the integration of childhood trauma, I'm sure we'll talk about that and, and those sort of issues and eating disorders kind of fell into my lap a little bit later after that. Um, because, and I had, and I really, I had to address it because I knew that it was not only a factor in autoimmunity, but it was also 
an issue in and of itself that just kept showing up and why is that happening in the fitness industry over and over again. Um, hence why I wrote this book, The Flexible Dieting Disaster, and it's a lot of that is inside of that. So now I integrate both and I, you know, it's important for us to do that because we don't, well, we're never really addressing all the root factors or causes that we say we're doing. Um, and so the, the thing that I'll, I'll say is that um, through, because I, I had to kind of understand for myself why I do this. I didn't really know why. I thought it was because, yeah, I just want to help everybody with trauma and eating disorders and things like that, and anxiety and depression. But what I discovered for myself actually came, and I talk about this in the beginning of the book, it was kind of like a revelation I had at the end of last year, I think. And basically what I realized was throughout my 20s, I was in a lot of toxic relationships with women and I, it never worked out. Like they were all people who had been abused, had sexually abused, verbally abused, went through bereavement, lost somebody, uh, eating disorders, anorexia, all of it. And, you know, I was always trying to help them and like, figure it out. Like it's what we always try to do. Right. And we, and I learned that later on that, well, it's not my job first off, but, um, I learned that, well, maybe all of this is a symptom of something else. And what is that? And it has a lot to do with, well, everything that went on in the, through their childhood and their upbringing. So for me, it's probably, so for me, working with women who have these issues is so, it hits home for me because what I realized for myself is my way of getting what I want, which was to help women with this stuff, is giving my clients what they need so they don't have to go through this or be confused about why they're having issues with these disorders and depression and anxiety and binge eating, right? And honestly, just helping helping the, the cause so that, you know, men like me don't have to be, you know, get stuck like this and feel helpless and think that it's all their fault because that's what I felt. I felt disillusion, disenchant, disenchantment, um, despondent. I was guilt and shame. I felt all that for so long. I thought that was like, there's something wrong with me. What is that? And so when I was, when I was able to heal that, I was like, okay, well now I can do that for myself, but I also need to help other women with this too. And so that's just a long way of saying that this is really personal for me and it, it's really important for me, but it also matters in the context of chronic disease. So I, I integrate both, like I said. Oh, I love that. And one of the reasons I love your approach is because you do focus on like the mind body stuff. And it's very interesting to me because as a lot of my listeners know, a long time ago, I lost a lot of weight. And over the past few years, I put some of it back on. And for a really long time, I didn't want to talk about it. It was like, Oh, God, I just don't want to deal with that. But you talk so much in your book about so many of the things that I talk about, but even, it's not even just about health. Like the things you talk about also relate to like our money mindset, our relationship stuff. Like it's very interesting to me. So I have so many questions that I have post-it notes everywhere. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. <laughs> Your book is amazing, by the way. Everybody should pick it up. Your book actually gave me an aha moment. Um, as I was reading through it, it was talking about, the disordered eating and the eating disorders. I now realize I've struggled with my weight for 25 years, but I was like, Oh no, I don't, I don't have disordered eating. I don't have, as soon as I'm reading your book, I was like, what the, I actually looking back realized I've have 25 years of disordered eating. So can you explain to people the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder? Yeah. It's a great question. I think we're dabbling on a on the line between it, between both of them in the industry that is in fitness industry. So you know the clinical diagnosis according to the you know the DSM you know the, the criteria right it is you know it's this this and this and this you have to have for a certain amount of months and you have to have these symptoms and that's how we just you know label and diagnose eating disorders right um, and so that's one aspect what it's really the disordered eating that I think is more prevalent, honestly, and it probably is because eating disorders represent, I think in the book I mentioned 2% of one or 2% maybe of mm -hmm. the population. And, and I, I think we're all really mostly in the disordered eating camp. And that's hard to define because what does that look like? 
And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this book is shed light on that and say that we're actually all really just, we're all exhibiting disordered eating habits to a degree and we don't really realize it, you know, because we're counting macros, we're doing calorie counting, we're um, weighing our food and then, you know, we say that we stopped doing it yet we're still counting macros in our head and I've done that and guess what? You think that's not disordered eating or thinking? Yeah, of course it is. And so that's what I'm trying to say. And a lot of people I think are not coming forward and sharing this because maybe it's embarrassing or it's shameful, whatever that may be. Um, and so that's why it's hard to get to gauge kind of the, the ubiquity of the, all of this and see how many people really have all this. Um, but I definitely think from my experience and the conversations I've had with women who've emailed me and DM me on social media, like it's really, really common. And they've just told me like, yeah, I can't stop doing this, 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 and that. And so it's hard for us to know like what the numbers are, but um, I would define disordered eating really uh, probably like, you know, we can't um, stop counting macros and, and calories. We have, we weigh our food, right? Or we have a binging episode every now and then maybe we um, are really, I guess, anal about the food quality, orthorexic stuff, which orthorexia is not technically, uh, an eating disorder, but I think it'll change honestly yeah. because it, it is different in the in the context of we think that because right now we're looking at orthorexia as well you know we get obsessed about eating healthy foods because we don't want to get cancer or disease but really the bigger issue I think is yeah. we're doing that for weight loss purposes or for some other reason overall health right and disease in disease prevention. So that's how I see the difference. And I think, um, you know, really for me, it's a matter of looking at our daily habits and seeing if it's flirting with that line because I don't really care at the end of the day what you call it, honestly. It's still an issue. And it's all probably rooted in a lot of the same things like we're going to talk about. Yes. And that's the interesting thing, too, is the counting thing. So mm -hmm. also when I was reading your book, you were talking about, like, you know, you delete the my fitness pal which i did delete off my phone by the way but it's interesting because we're taught our whole lives to count everything we're taught to count calories fat grams carbs whatever you're counting macros you're taught to count your money like mm -hmm. we're we're breeding a society who lives in a scarcity mindset which adds to the stress of everything we're doing to our bodies yeah like we just are and one of the things that you talk about as well is like the stress on people's bodies and especially with the autoimmune stuff. And I think not enough people are recognizing that we're chronically stressed out. We just are. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of the work you do with people revolves around the trauma from childhood. So can we talk about that a little bit? Cause I think that's a big piece of yeah. what happens when we turn into adults. <laughs> yeah, of course. I want to recognize too, because I have a lot of clients who come to me looking for a trauma. They're looking for some traumatic event that happened to them in their childhood. Would you say that most of the eating issues are coming from traumatic events that happened in childhood? When, so when you say looking for a traumatic experience, you, do, you, do you mean that right now they don't have any awareness of something, but they're trying to see if there's something there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So they come and they're like, you know, I have this issue going on and it has to be from some traumatic experience from my childhood that I've like blocked okay. out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the issue because we're striving to find something that may not be there. And, and if we have a non-striving approach, then the insight will arrive. And so the, the first I don't want to deviate from your question, but like, that's a lot of like, we need to explore and see, well, how did I come to be this way? How did I get here? Um, and just look at it with a new pair of eyes and you know, have a beginner's type mindset. But to answer your real question, yeah, I, I think that a majority of, I don't know the numbers because it's in my head. I kind of think about it in different levels, but I think most people with eating disorders and, and sort of eating, um, definitely have rooted issues related to 
who knows, abandonment, neglect, you know, uh, bereavement, maybe abuse of any kind, some sort of like, and it's tough because it could be a traumatic experience that they don't know they realize that they had because a lot of us associate that with like those big, you know, abuse type of situations where really maybe you just got yelled at by your teacher at fourth grade for um, being late to, to class. And, and that's, you know, something that really left an indelible mark in your subconscious mind and dictated your behaviors later in life. But something I talk about in the book, and this is really what I'm getting at here is the tri-layer model of eating disorder and disordering development. And that kind of summarizes the different pathways and underlying root factors that I think are responsible for why we have disordered eating and eating disorders and ultimately even disease if we go down that road too far. Mm-hmm. And, that comes pretty, and that comes from the surface level, which is what I call personal pursuit. So we are, you know, just trying to die because we want to lose weight. We just, we literally are doing it for personal growth and like challenge and that's it. Totally cool. That's a real thing. You know, we do a competition and we just want to challenge ourselves and get out of our comfort zone. Great. And then maybe we get a bad prep coach or a coach who's very much like biased and a zealot and Brian, you know, puts your body on a thousand calories and, you know, pretty much pulverizes your metabolism to the ground. That's a way for you to develop an ED. And I see it all the time. I've still seen that. And perhaps maybe there is also, again, um, you were abused as a child. Maybe you were, you know, I've had women clients of mine who were told by their parents or grandparents, like you're fat, like you should be eating that, you know, at a very young age. And so of course we're dabbling back and forth with binge eating because they weren't allowed to eat that food. And then they are like living back in, in guilt and um, self-recrimination. And it's like that back and forth thing. And they're kind of toggling, like we talked about before, like being a perfectionist and also the binge eating part and then the shame part. And, and there's like these different personalities that they're kind of um, having conversations with. So that alone, I mean, if you feel unworthy and, and unlovable and undesirable because of abuse or being emotionally or verbally abused, then that's an easy outlet for you to want to have an eating disorder, right? And you don't realize it, but that's why we diet in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why chapter one of my book is, you know, literally why the fuck are you dieting? You just got to ask that question. And yeah. so I, my argument is that we're doing it for reasons that are not, our, that are not our own. It's for, it's a react, it's a reactive sort of behavior from wounds and pains that need healing that we don't know we realize yeah. And I think a lot of people and just doing the work that I do and my own healing journey, it was a big realization to recognize that like self-worth, self-love and self-compassion, those three things, man, if we're missing those in any area of life, it will affect so many other areas of our life. I'm really happy that you talked about how the trauma experience could just be something like your fourth grade teacher yelling at you. Mm-hmm. Um, because like with me, I, I had a great childhood. I'm an only child. My parents gave me whatever I needed basically. But what's funny is I was a model and I specifically remember there would be times before we we're going to do a runway show being told, Oh, you don't need to eat lunch because you already ate breakfast. You just drink some water and have some soup because you need to fit in the clothes Mm -hmm. and so it's that kind of stuff and even and i don't know if you guys have this where you are in texas but do you have dr bernstein's there it's like the medical weight loss solution i've heard of it i'm using air quotes so (laughs) i uh years ago before i started my journey the healthy way i did dr bernstein's and so basically what it is it's this medical approach to weight loss where they inject you with all sorts of vitamins and stuff but they actually had me on 800 calories a day which as you know yeah is not really sustainable for a human body it stressed my body out so much i lost 50 pounds in a month and then obviously gained it back later but i just want people to realize like it's not even just the fitness industry. There are medical weight loss approaches that are fucking you up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> you talk a lot in your book about intuitive eating. 
Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I'm sure there's some people that aren't really sure what intuitive eating is. Um, and also the, if it fits your macros thing, can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so with intuitive eating, well, here's what I'll say, right? We start, the, the path for a lot of us is we do macros, if it fits macros, um, flexible dieting, or we have a background of rigid dieting. It's kind of traditionally how I, I think it, it started. We had rigid dieting. It's like you have to eat five foods, you have to eat these amount of calories and like nothing else. And that easily pushes you into an ED and the literature shows us that we know that. Now we're actually finding research and it's probably going to be more, it's coming out more and more. now I think, and I referenced some of these in the book where flexible dieting is even causing this as well. I'm sure it's a far cry and better than rigid dieting. However, it's causing disordered eating habits as well because we're again, we're having a fixation on certain foods and, and this and body image and satisfaction is a result of all this anyway. Um, and so, and then social media obviously has a factor in that. Right. And we compare ourselves to other people and it's like, you know, they just reinforce the whole problem. It's like just putting gasoline on the fire pit. Mm -hmm. So intuitive eating is, is the end goal we all really want to have. I mean, honestly, it's not like it's anything new. We've only been doing it for tens of thousands of millions of years. Right. So like, you know, why is it all of a sudden the new thing that we all have to, you know, <laughs> kind of do now? And, you know, it's like we're reinventing the wheel. And, um, it's honestly a hard thing to do, even though we've been doing it for so long and it's because we're conditioned in a way that doesn't support that. And so that's why I argue that you can try to do eating, intuitive eating, food journaling, like pay attention to your five senses and just, you know, get your, put your phone away and, you know, don't scroll through Instagram while you're eating. All those things are helpful. I used to focus on that a lot with clients and I realized that was not enough. It's like literally surface level stuff because you might get some progress, but then you're going to revert to old habits again. Um, and so you haven't really tapped into the subconscious issues that you're, you're that are still there. And so, um, yeah, so with intuitive eating, like that's, I mean, we're all intuitive human beings. That's what we want to do, right? Be an intuitive exerciser as well, being in, intuitive living. And they're all connected in one way or another. Um, however, my, my thing here is that, well, if we are attached to macros, well, we're, we're detached from ourselves. And you can't, it's not one or the other. It's, it's really, it's all of it or none of it. You know, if you're going to be an intuitive eater, you got to be intuitive in every other aspect of your life, I think. Um, because if we're, and I see this with clients where if they are fixated on macros, and then they're, they're going to be following a structure or a regimen that's going to be literally in every other aspect <laughs> with exercise and how they do their day and everything else. And so um, it's, it's like you're connected or you're disconnected. That's how I've seen it. So um, intuitive eating is, is like it, it's hard to accomplish, but obviously we can all get there, you know. And to answer your question, I'm just kind of – yeah, no, this is good. Oh, I like just this. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting too because, and not just around food, but around life, like people are not listening to their internal intuitive guidance anymore. We're so disconnected from everything. So I think, yeah, that's... The, that's yeah, the other thing I'll mention is that like macros does have a benefit in the sense that it provides, the it allows you to develop intuition because... Sure, I could I could say, and I think some people like myself, maybe I don't know, I, I'm not really sure, but we can develop intuition with eating, and maybe that's just we're good, we're good like that. Other people need to count for a bit, right? And maybe intuition is, intuition is not possible without practice and experience, and that's the other side of the coin, right? And so it kind of just depends on the person, but um, you know, for me, I could, you know, now that I think about it, when I was counting macros and doing all that. I think I developed a better intuition afterwards, but um, maybe we just need to give it a shot and explore doing it on our own, but you're not going to be able to do that if uh, you're still struggling with deeper rooted emotions and things that are kind of driving your uh, obsession with um, weight loss. Cause that's honestly why we're counting macros in the first place. Yeah. Right? And that's, 
you've touched on this a couple of times and it's so important, like we need to clear, not even clear out, we need to look at the roots of the tree to fix the stuff that's going on up top. Mm -hmm. Like, And also not, it's not about killing off these parts of ourselves. It's about embracing them and understanding why they're there. And you have a process in your book called the biography biology timeline, mm-hmm. um, which I really like because I do work timeline therapy. Yeah. But you have people, and I want to talk about this because this is something that the listeners can actually do. You have people kind of figure out like, what's my story? So can you walk us through how somebody would go about doing that? Yeah. So I think that all of us as humans have recollection of some parts of our life that we just never forget. You know, we know that at five years old, we, we saw a death. We know that at nine years old, we were homeless and we maybe, you know, at 12 years old, we um, had a hospitalization and, you know, we got really sick and then at 15, our parents got divorced, whatever. There's some significant events in our life that we just don't forget. And so my whole idea, and you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people do already is just trying to map this out and see, okay, well, what are these major events and experiences that maybe are still, you know, kind of hanging out in the background and let's just explore it and see, see what's going on. And then let's also look at, and I look at this in the context of chronic disease because that's what I work with. And so I'm always trying to look retrospectively to see, well, how do they come to be this way with these symptoms? Because, you know, your symptoms and pain tell you a story, not just about yourselves, but of yourself. And that those symptoms provide the source of where the healing is if we listen. So that's what we're trying to do here. And so we can see that maybe they developed migraines and they had gut issues and they had um, some sort of like, you know, terrible uh, joint pain, like after a certain event or experience. And then maybe they had a set of emotions that were um, from that experience, which they do, but we don't know yet always. Like some people will say they have anger and guilt and others have other emotions they don't realize they still have. So all we're trying to do is just get clear on this and spend a moment mapping this out. And honestly, we may not all figure it out right now. And that's okay because the insight arrives at different points in time. And I've definitely seen that happen. And even for myself. So you, you do this and you come back to it and you, you look at it and you have, you know, you can even narrative, you know, sort of medicine stuff here where you write out your story and you can write this out in a, in a sort of text format. And what I'll do is I'll read it back to them, to my clients and, and kind of have them sit with it and just feel, have them feel that. And that's another way of, of kind of looking at it differently and all we're doing is just having awareness of it, not judging it and not hating it, not trying to get rid of it because you, that, that's not going to help the cause. Obviously it's just seeing for what it is and starting there. And that awareness alone is really powerful because, you know, the thing I always say is that, um, um, it's, it's really the, the truth that liberates, right? Not the effort to be free. And so if we can start to embrace that intention, that can allow us to find freedom within our pain. Um, and it's something we have to learn to, to adapt because obviously what we're doing currently isn't helping, right? And that's yeah. kind of the thing. It's like, well, how do I do this? Well, what you're doing isn't working, right? Obviously avoiding and hating and denying it and rejecting it and shoving it under the rug isn't helping. And that's what we do as humans. We just avoid that stuff. Yeah. So that's why if we look at it differently and learn how to accept it and be with it, you know, and not get rid of these wounds and we start to love it and embrace it and accept it. Um, that's the path to ultimate healing and, and having the outcomes you keep saying you want to have. Right. Yeah. So, so true. And a lot of the work, <clears throat> excuse me, that I do with people, it's about exactly what you said, like recognizing where the issue came from, but you don't necessarily need to understand the problem fully. And it's not about judging it. It's not about judging yourself. And I think that's really important for people to know. And even like some of the things that I'll do with people, we do a lot of inner child work because when you go back and like embrace that inner child, Mm -hmm. it's fucking profound what can happen. (laughs) Yeah. This is, I just, I, I love everything that you stand for. I love the work you do. 
when I started reading your book, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I used to joke, it was not really a joke, that the one thing I want to do in my lifetime is take down the dieting industry. And I think people like you are going to be able to help do that. So it's exciting for me. <laughs> um, so one of the things like when people come to me and just in life in general, people love instant gratification. And so when people come to me, they're like, okay, how long is this going to take? And when am I going to be healed? So when you're working with people on the autoimmune stuff, do you run into the same situation? I think I talk about this every day right now at this point, because it's a lot of like, what are you going to do for me that I haven't done already? I've already done supplements and medications and diets and detox this and gut health that. And you know, like what's your new approach? Honestly, <laughs> it's you, it's integrating you in the, in the process. And I'll come back to that in a minute, but we have this mentality and it's, it's, it's literally why we're going to be stuck and sick. if We don't change this because it's like, Hey, we go to somebody and we're like, Hey, fix me, fix me, fix me. Right. What are you going to do? Um, but yet in the cornucopia of all the things we're doing right with the detox and the diet, which still matter, but we're missing one ingredient and that's your own participation. Right. And that's obviously involving our awareness and consciousness. And that's, um, a lot to do with your relationship with your disease. And because a lot of people who have that mentality, I find with autoimmunity who have, um, this fixation on trying to get out of this as soon as possible they have a really shitty relationship with their disease they're like they're they're hating it they're judging it they're talking about it with other people they're blaming doctors they're they're you know constantly talking about it in facebook groups which is like the most toxic environment i see for this stuff yes. and it's all very unhelpful and it just breeds the victim mindset and then at some point you're so identity you're going to have almost I find it's really impossible to get out of that. And I, in fact, I avoid, um, unfortunately I just avoid people in general like that because it's too late, you know, 20 years with a disease like that, like you're, you're stuck in your ways, unfortunately. And so, um, so yeah, so the idea is like we need, uh, and that's the, the challenge for me is because I am trying to help people understand that. Yeah. I get, I get that you go to this person and that person you want to, you're expecting a to do list of things to heal, but it's not how I work right? I'm actually not giving you things to do. I'm going to recommend things, but I'm helping you. I'm, I'm helping you engage in your own healing journey so that you can find the inner wisdom that's inside of you on what needs healing, not only from your, from the mental, emotional place, but also with yourself, right? Yep. And your relationship with your wounds and with yourself and your disease. Um, and, and so like, that's, and ultimately finding out what your intuition is going to say, because I, I'm not going to be with you holding your hand the rest of your life. So we have to help you um, find the wisdom to see, well, how can I make sure I manage my disease in a way where I don't have flare ups or I get, or I relapse, you know, and that's a lot of just experience and you're gonna to have to trust your instinct on this and know what's going to push you over the edge, right? Maybe you need to get away from certain people or get out of certain situations. And you know that maybe you shouldn't be like, climbing up a mountain, you know, every other, every weekend because you like hiking so much. I don't know. You got to know your threshold. And so that's a lot of what I'm trying to do. And that's just something we figure out together. Not like I need to tell you what that is right away. And so it's all a matter of being open to a new and different solution. And so if you're willing to do that, that is really where we need to go for one, if we want health again and optimal, optimal wellness. But a lot of us, unfortunately, um, in the society we live in with modern medicine kind of giving this sort of replanting the seed of like, yeah, I'm going to fix you with this medication. It's really hard to be receptive to something else like this, which involves you because it means you got to do work. And that's like, you know, we don't want to do anything. We just want to be told what to do and have it done on us. Just give me the magic pill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a man one time and he wanted air quotes again. He wanted to change his mindset and he was very unhealthy and he had already had like a bypass surgery. And his response to me was, well, you know, I don't really need to change the way I eat because if anything happens, the doctors can just fix me. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was like, whoa, we are not <laughs> going to be able to work together. <laughs> but I love that you say too, like that you don't, it's not that we don't have a process, but we don't 
have a, a thing that we can map out because that's one of the challenges that I run into is people are like, well, what's your process? My process is, are you willing to get curious about what is mm -hmm. going on inside of you and see other opportunities? That's my process. It's about getting you to learn about yourself. And it's the same as what you're doing with people. So I love this. Like I'm sitting, you're talking, I'm just sitting here shaking my head like a maniac because this, this makes me happy. It, it's <laughs> it's, yeah. And it's the greatest challenge. I say this all the time. My issue is not, my challenge is not helping people. That's honestly the easy part. The hard part is helping people be open to something different and participating yeah. in this because you know, that, that we got to start with that. If you're not willing to do that, then it doesn't matter what tools I have. Yeah, it's so true. And I love the whole kind of the fact that the autoimmune stuff obviously starts in your gut as well. And like, I've always been a big advocate of like the gut and mind connection. So I love that you're talking about this stuff too. And I love that, you know, <laughs> you're just making it simple for people to understand too why this is happening. Like if I look back, like I was diagnosed with a thyroid problem when I was 15. So I'm going to be 45 next week. 25 years ago, thyroid problem. They were just like, Oh, here, take these pills. <laughs> like nobody looked at where the problem was coming from. Yeah. Unfortunate. Really. Yeah, it really is. Oh my gosh. I also, um, God, I just have so many things that I want to talk to you about. We could just talk for like a hundred hours here. <laughs> One of the funny things that you had in your book that I really loved, and I think it's right at the beginning of the book, is you wrote, I didn't want to write this book. <laughs> yeah. How did your book come to be? Um, yeah, and I think it started with my frustration with the industry and all the bullshit I was seeing with doctors, or, I'm sorry, um, coaches and macro coaches and just crushing young women, like 18 to 20, you know, 21. And they'd fill out applications to work with me. And I would see this like, yeah, my coach did this. I'm afraid of food and like stuck on macros. And so that was a huge impetus for me to write it. But then I, because it wasn't a huge priority at the time, it took me about three years to finish it because, um, you know, obviously other things were going on for me and <laughs> I'm actually really glad that it happened because I learned more about things like with the trauma and the emotional side of things that really were fueling all this or being involved rather. And that's when I knew like, okay, I got to step it up and do this because now I can see it's much more complicated than, than just like really bad coaches <laughs> in social media. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to write it at all. I mean, I, I, I never thought I'd be writing a book, period. But I, I just felt like I had to do it because um, I, I truthfully just do not want to see young women suffer anymore that they don't deserve. They really don't. And you can't get rid of social media, the influencers, and all the fitzbos, and all the people out there that are kind of leaving a, a mark on them and, and sort of just instilling this belief that you got to eat a certain way, look a certain way, exercise a certain way, whatever that is. And we model, model after them. Um, so my whole idea is to get them prepared or help them explore their own life so that they can make decisions now that will support them in their growth and where they want to go and their purpose and that sort of stuff versus being dictated by social media. They can have awareness to see what's going on so that they're not affected by it as much, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a little bit of that, but it's also a little bit of like, yeah, we need to look backwards and see, well, what are um, our patterns and behaviors right now that maybe are stemming from this? So this is really all preventative stuff, really, that I'm thinking about when I write this book, when I wrote it, is what can we do now so that it doesn't get into this complicated mess years down the road? You know, with basically looking at disease and, and depression and anxiety, which I see all the time. It's like, who doesn't have, um, excuse me, anxiety or depression these days? Yeah. Seems like everybody does. And we're not special. No one's special, honestly, anymore. It's, it's all there for a reason. We're just not looking deep into it to see what it can tell us and why it's there. And we're masking it with pills. Here, right. take a pill. Just yeah. take a pill. So in your book, um, you have three major takeaways that I want to 
kind of talk about that'll help people because I want the people listening to this and always when they're listening to this podcast to be able to take stuff away and start implementing or make changes so can we talk about the three major takeaways in your book yeah so we've kind of touched on all of it a little, well some of it a little bit at least step one which is um, awareness and that's the biography biology timeline and that's a great place to start it's just being aware of old wounds I mean really that's what we're trying to do is just explore and see like well, what do we, because honestly, we could be the healthiest person on the planet. We all probably have still have shit that could be, that, could, that deserves healing and needs healing. You know, at, at least if we want to be like, you know, next level, better humans and, you know, be the best we can be. So it's just like looking at it, be like, do we actually have these blocks and are we hanging on to like abandonment and anger and resentment and guilt and blame? you know, things that aren't serving us now as an adult, but it did as a child maybe. So that's step one is having awareness of this and trying to embrace it and see it with new eyes. And then the second part step here is being. So we talk in the book about being before becoming. And I, I think it's a huge mistake. And I know, I know some people do this and it comes back to that whole striving of like, get me out of this. I want to get better and be, you know, this new person but we have to literally and try to be where we are first, right? Um, one thing I say is a quote from somebody, I forgot who, um, change occurs when um, one becomes um, not what he is. How does it go again? I forgot. Change occurs when one becomes what he is, not when he becomes not, right? And that's the whole idea of you gotta be where you are. You gotta accept it. You gotta recognize things. You gotta have new intentions. You gotta have compassion and kindness and curiosity and um, not judging letting go. Um, and that's the first part of that because then that's going to allow you to, um, explore it. And, but at that, I mean, we can see like, well, what are the opportunities here? Right. And this is kind of a segment to become and, and how we can transform this pain and, uh, these, these wounds and pain into a journey of feeling awakening is what are the opportunities here? Right? Is there an opportunity to do the pain differently? Is there an opportunity to give myself the emotions and um, things I didn't get? Is there an opportunity to um, stop myself from behaviors? Right, those sort of things, and then we can start to explore like the meaning of it. Like, well, what can I do? Because I, I think I don't know if you agree with this, but I think um, the the most powerful thing is giving what you want to others, right? And also giving it to yourself. We need both. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. Yeah. And so for me, I, I've defined meaning as, as that giving it to others. Right. And so that was the meaning for me and my wounds was helping women with this. Um, and by doing that, I kind of got what I needed and what I wanted at the end. And so that's, um, how I define meaning. And that's what becoming really all is about is, um, get, getting clarity on where you want to be and how you want to transform this and, you know, cause the one thing we could all, we should all really embrace is that in the, in all the darkness of where we are in our life, there's a glimmer of light that really is probably your, um, is, is really your, your way out of this. And it's also the, the, the very thing that is what we need, right? We want to see that there's positives in the darkness and, and all the wounds that we have. And that's, and that's it. That's the entire idea of, seeing that pain is your teacher and illness is your opportunity and that we're all in this together. No one's alone. So it doesn't help that we're all being victim. It doesn't help for all being victims and trying to just, you know, do nothing about this stuff. It's like, how can we really, you know, take it, how can we step it up a notch, feel empowered and um, use this to help others because we all can do it, but we have to do it for ourselves. And so um, that's becoming, it's just putting into action and, trying to give what you want to yourself and um, give it, and give it to others as well. And how that looks for you is different for me. So it's a matter of just being patient and letting that insight arrive. It's like, well, what can I do? How can I um, use this in a way that's going to be for a greater good? Mm, love, 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 love. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because people often feel this guilt around putting themselves first and you even have a chapter in your book or a yeah. section in your book that's like why you need to put yourself first and it's something I always talk about and I struggled with it at first I didn't I was like no no I got to give to all my clients I got to give to everybody else no you got to give to yourself yeah so I loved. 
definitely a huge problem. It's especially in the autoimmune space because a lot of the women I work with are very committed, overcommitted, overdriven, type A, OCD, you got to be super mom, do everything. Um, and why, anything about this, why, why did some of those behaviors happen? Because maybe it came from childhood, right? Maybe like they just feel like they had, so maybe like um, enmeshment, right? They had to be the person as a kid where they had to take care of their, their adult, you know, their adults or their family members. And therefore they're going to carry that pattern into their adulthood now, you know? And, uh, and the irony is that, well, what if they get too sick? Because they do that so much. Well, then their kids are going to be doing what they did as a kid. So, (laughs) you know, so that's why we got to spend time putting ourselves first. It doesn't mean you can't do what you're doing, but you got to know your boundaries, right? Yeah. And I mean, there's so many layers of how our beliefs are formed, but what you just said is one of them. One of the main ways some of our beliefs are formed is we model what we see. For me, I saw the adults around me dieting all the time. So that was normal to me. If you weren't on a diet, that wasn't normal. We model this stuff. (laughs) And it's interesting too, um, you talk about like the joy and things and going that way. And you have a quote in your book, or I'm going to quote your book. You said, if you tallied up the number of times you associated the word joy or fear with a cheat food, what would you have a higher number of? And that's interesting because fear is so connected to so many things, including body image. And so I loved that. (laughs) It is true though, because we associate dieting with pain instead of the benefits we're going to get from feeling better, not necessarily from dieting, but from eating well. So, so much, so much stuff here. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, everybody just needs to buy your book. It's on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes when I'm done with this. Yeah. Because it's, yes, we're talking about autoimmune disease. Yes, you help people with that. But it ties in so much to every other area of our life as well. These beliefs, the self-worth, the self-love, the self-compassion, or the lack of it. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you because you're a guy working with women with autoimmune stuff, do you get pushback from people on this? Um, <laughs> I, I used to, I, I think, well, let me put it this way. Nobody tells me this to my face or I, I don't get DMs from people uh, at all, really. Uh, I can't remember the last time I got anything like that criticized me, um, but I do know that, yeah, in, in some areas of social media I have seen things and I know that people talk behind my back about it. And honestly, there are a lot of feminists and it's just like, that's how it is. And they don't like that. I do this probably because they are people that need my help. <laughs> Not to say that I'm like better than or anything like that, but like, is they have their own wounds. And I, I see that differently now. Yeah. I, I would be upset and annoyed by it, but now I'm like, okay, well they, it's really a reflection of them. And that's why they're, they're acting this way. Um, Cause I'm on your side. I'm not here to like, you know, to suppress your, your issues or, you know, talk down or belittle it. It's just like, like, how about you just, you know, be open-minded a little bit here, but it's not my job to do that. But yeah, I don't get anything, but I know it's out there and it probably still is going on. Well, it comes back again to being open-minded. And also you said something beautiful a few minutes ago. We're all one. This is the law of oneness, man. If you look at like a row of crops they look like single crops, but the roots are all connected. And so when we all come together and start dealing with things, I, I think it's going to shift in a much bigger way. I also think there's people out there that are not going to like that there's people like us <laughs> making these shifts. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. totally cool with that. <laughs> yep, I am too. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, is there anything else? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of what we kind of talked about, which is, yeah, you know, if you have unexplained symptoms and, and depression and anxiety, mental health stuff, and even like severe migraines and gut pain and things that hasn't, hasn't worked for you. Um, nothing's worked for you where you've done this detox or supplements or medic or diet changes, 
you, I would encourage you to at least think about what we talked about, which is what are you, what are you holding on to? Maybe there's something that needs healing and you just kind of really locked away in a cabinet and cobwebs formed all around it. And you know, that that's kind of what I mean, because that's where a lot of the source of healing is for us, you know, um, because we, we can, you know, and, and that's the, that's the challenge because we we've denied it and we avoided it for so long. Right. But if we can be willing, you know, so the, the one thing I'll say, and I think I quote this in the book too, is like, there are two kinds of suffering, right? There's the suffering that leads to more suffering and the suffering that leads to the end of suffering. If you're not willing to experience the second type of suffering, you're surely going to experience the first, which is just another way of saying, well, yeah, it's going to suck either way. You can either tap into this and get into the shadows, get your hands dirty and heal this, but it'll be temporary suffering. It won't, it'll be, it'll end, you know, the, the overall suffering for you for the rest of your life, or you choose to avoid and deny it. Well, you're going to be suffering for eternity. Yeah. You know, and that's just, you got to make that decision on your own. No one can do that for you. So that's probably what I would say and leave everybody with. I love that. And before I ask you the question that I ask everybody, what is the best way for people to find you? Yeah, sure. So really it's two things. It's Instagram, which is at Justin Janoska. Um, J-A-N-O-S-K-A is my last name. How do you spell that? And so I, I really speak on a lot of things related to this stuff, mind body stuff, but also it's all women's health in general. Um, and the autoimmunerevolution.com. That's our website. And that's where we just have information and a lot, a lot about what we offer for uh, reproductive disorders and, and including PCOS and endometriosis and also obviously autoimmune disease. And that's pretty much it. And I'm going to have links to all these in the show notes to make it easy for people to find you. Oh. My last question for you, and I ask this of everybody, <laughs> what does living a limitless life mean to you? Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I think, um, I'm very impulsive and spontaneous and I, I make a joke. I say, I don't plan more than three hours in advance. And, um, <laughs> and that's not to say that I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm irresponsible or anything. I still get what I need to get done, done. But to me, I think, you know, feeling limitless is, is knowing where you're capable of and then doing it on your own terms where you don't care what people think, you don't, have ju you don't care about judgment or pushback. And it's kind of like what I'm doing right now, honestly, to a degree is I know I get it and I'm, I know it's out there, but um, I feel like you, 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 you are limitless if you can do this stuff and pursue what you want and um, and, and kind of live in a way that's in, that's in harmony with who you are. And, um, and then you can, then, you know, like the, the sky is so vast and you can literally achieve anything you want. And so like, that's, I think it roots, it comes back to that idea of like, just being okay with how things are and trying to have like kind of like tunnel vision, <laughs> just like ignore all the bullshit and just do what you feel like is best for you because yeah, one life and like, you know, you, you, you're going to regret in the end if you don't do that. Yeah. Oh, no. I love that. Well, you have just been a pleasure to talk to. Um, I think people are going to get a lot out of this episode and a lot out of what you said. And I'm so thankful that you took time out of your day to have this conversation with me. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brenda, for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. You have no idea how much I love and appreciate you for taking time to listen because shows like this are not possible without people like you. You can find me over on Instagram at underscore Brenda Johnson. Beg me to post and let me know what your favorite episode has been. And if there's something that you want to hear, let me know. Shoot me a DM and I'm always going to get back to you. I want this podcast to help as many people as possible. So please take a moment if you can to leave me an honest comment and review so I know what you think of the show. And if you could, help me spread the love by hitting that share button.